Welcome to another episode of Deep Tech Musings. I am your host Pranajit and on today's show we'll be talking to Peter, one of the co-founders of a multiple award-winning startup called Mixpool, which is solving a very pertinent problem in today's COVID world, that of creating an engaging online interaction between instructors and teachers, specifically for yoga. Mixpool utilizes two of the hottest deep tech, which is AI at edge and live streaming. to help yoga instructors around the world deliver high quality and highly engaging yoga classes we have a very interesting discussion on hand and peter makes it more livelier with his wits so without further ado let's dive straight into the conversation hi peter welcome to the show hi well thanks for having me <laughs> good So can we start by first learning more about your background? So I'm a co-founder at Mixpost. It's a AI platform that teaches yoga. Before I found the startup, I was a rapid prototype specialist. I've had more than 150 hackathon wins, which I'm part of the Nvidia AI innovator, Intel software innovator and uh, ARM innovator. Great. That's some seriously high number of hackathons. How did you manage I mean the hackathons kind of draw me you know where the clients are right like after you win the hackathon sometimes the your the sponsor or the you know the people who give you the award end up needing prototypes for different things and that kind of helped me to draw clients so it was a hobby as well as it was you know a potential to find leads for for different type of contract work got it So now can you just highlight like how you got started with Mixpose in the initial days and also I know you have won many awards so what are some of them So I we started Mixpose actually I had a hackathon last year around October we actually built this out uh, there was the 5G and the AI on the edge topic and hosted by AT&T so we came up with this idea as you know we were thinking like what technology would you would leverage you know AI on the edge and the 5G which you could not do today and detecting yoga poses was one of them that's how we like originally built it and after you know we won the grand prize which was around like $60,000 and after winning that we were like okay so how google was hosting the android developer challenge for you know for using ai and then we basically put in all the code that we built and then we didn't really do much else and then we ended up winning that too and after we found out we won the google and the nvidia was hosting a challenge which were like okay before the video this was all concept oh you know we're just detecting poses on top like you know using a phone but after the video we're like okay can we really detect our poses so on hackster i wrote the entire article that's you know the video hosted the challenge on hackster so what i wrote an entire article on how do you actually detect detect real poses and then we ended up winning first place for that too so after winning a bunch of awards we're like okay can we actually build this into a business so we did some research and then you know and then we asked a lot of people and a covid lockdown began and everybody that we interviewed start asking us for the service and we're like okay maybe we can turn this into a business and now we have a startup <laughs> that sounds awesome so that's really great to know how you hacked your way through into a startup and that is gaining good traction right now so what kind of a problem are we solving through this you touched upon it briefly can you just elaborate on that the problem is basically the core of the problem is basically building the relationship between teachers and students this is due to the fact that you know, when you use in real life classes teacher can walk around but on online classes right the teacher have to basically you know the yoga teachers they generally basically do the move cuz the student have to see what they're doing 
And the current modern day is that if you use high quality casting, it's generally, you know, like YouTube and stuff like that, there is no real interaction. And when you use video conferencing, you're basically watching almost like 50 people at the same time. There is like, in some ways you can't really like focus on people that you really need to focus on. And our solution is basically empowering the instructors to be more effective in their training methods using AI and live streaming. For example, like because through post detection, we can actually find out which student needs attention, which student don't. Uh, if you're you're for doing wrong move, you can be on top of the queue. So teacher can basically, you know, watching less and more focused people. And at the same time, teacher can give you like for the instructor perspective, they can teach the class better by having overall stats on what's going on in the class, like how many people are doing what, and then whether people are actually like even there paying attention. You know, that's a problem we're solving is building the relationships. Okay. In a sense, I think you are enabling the all important feedback loop in this online world, which is somewhat missing. Right. And if we all know how important feedback is in any walk of life or business. Yeah, it's a real time feedback loop, right? Yeah. The, the point is like trying to be as real time as possible in a feedback loop itself. Agreed. Right. That's the very important point as well. Okay. So how big is this market that you're going after? Okay. So, so fitness itself is a trillion dollar market. Yoga is around 86 billion, just in, you know, I mean, the Lululemon literally created a you know, $30 billion company. Uh, just by selling yoga pants. So, and now all this trillion dollar market before, you know, with the gym and gym equipment and stuff, all of this is moving online. So that's a grand target market. But initially, we're just going to go, going to focus on yoga and eventually moving to dance. Well, that's because dance is a smaller market with a little harder technology. Once we can do both, I think we can easily move into fitness because fitness, it is the most competitive in terms of everything because everyone is trying to do fitness in some way or the other. Yes, so I wanted to come to that, that why yoga and why not others? It's mostly about the market scenario and the competitive landscape. It's also because of our domain expertise. My co-founder, Sarah, is, you know, is a certified yoga instructor. Uh, we've been practicing yoga for, you know, over a decade now. And also we generally just enjoy yoga. And my ex-co-founder, um, you know, he's Indian. His mom has been teaching yoga since like for over 35 years, since like she was a yoga instructor back in India. And then she came to the States. <laughs> That's a wait long time to be into something. So, right. And in fact, good to see yoga. Obviously, it has gained a lot of popularity across the world in the last couple of decades, but it's taking on the online world as well. And I believe so. But currently, the medium of this instruction is mostly through Zoom or such channels that are available. So there's two types, right? There's one-way stream. Like you can see the YouTube, Twitch, people have high quality stream through these one-way stream. And the second is that they had, you know, that's, that's basically, this is what's a scalable way. And the second is Zoom. Zoom does create an interaction. It does have the feedback loop. But teacher, I mean, it's a generally a good workaround for for those who, you know, just want to take a class, but it's not ideal. It's a video conferencing tool. I mean, you know, the quality is low because they compress the crap out of it. I mean, it's because end of the day, it is a video conferencing tool and not a live streaming tool. And people like always get confused with that. But, you know, it's a workaround. People are just using it for, you know, it, it fixes like most of the needs. But then again, if you want to, it, it's not scalable, right? Like if you want to teach more than like, let's say even 20, even 15 people, Zoom becomes... A, a bit, you know, it, it reaches the limit. I think it's more like there is no better alternative available or more easily accessible alternative available. Yeah. And that's how people are retrofitting Zoom. 
Yeah, there's no tool that's widely popular yet. There's startups doing stuff similar because they're going that route, basically just basically beefing up Zoom. But there's no general tool to say, oh, you know, if I want to do this, I would have this, right? Like I want a high quality stream because there is a separate issue with this is that Zoom is already difficult for most yoga teachers to use. So we're actually using like same technology for Twitch and YouTube Live for teachers to stream out. That took a, it generally takes a while to train the teacher on how to actually get that done. Got it's a, yeah, the video technology is not easy. It is definitely not easy. The only people as a consumer mastered it is like gamers. Right. Okay. So next, let's dive into the ML component of your solution, starting with the data. So how do you curate data and or what's your data acquisition strategy? We have uh, multiple different sources of data, just like I think like most AI companies. We have some of our own data, which is, you know, not too much data. But then again, there's different schools that provide data. Kaggle provides a huge amount of yoga-based data, as well as there's outsourced firms that you kind of hire them and then they get you the yoga data that you need. I got it. And so are we trying to predict here just uh, yoga poses? Like if someone is doing a Surya Namaskar, would I be telling them that you're doing it a Surya Namaskar or not? Or is it like, how good are you doing a Surya Namaskar as well? Yeah. So right now we need students to be on certain camera angle because, you know, because otherwise it doesn't really work. If you want to do Surya Namaskar, it doesn't really work. We do detect 21 different poses, which is enough to see, you know, Surya Namaskar or or a or like a chaturanga or these are simple things because those are sequences we can do it but it's not as accurate as you just want to do specifically just poses itself let's put the discussion this way so you first want to exhaust your like from hackathon perspective right when you're hacking a product the very first thing you see is what the technology provides and what use cases you can find and right now we're basically focusing just on single pose because once you finish those then you can move on to sequence poses the sequence poses is not as accurate as we want it to be yet, if you know what I mean. Like in fitness, it's very easy for me to do. For example, I want to calculate how much squats you're doing. Oh, one squat, two squats, three squats. But in yoga, it's a little more difficult. And in dance, it's much more difficult. <laughs> yeah, that takes the complexity to another level. Yeah, because yoga, like to be honest, because the problem with sequence, if I miss one move, then the entire sequence I can't detect the sequence itself, right? Got it. Because the sequence doesn't need to be trained. Just the poses need to be trained. Okay, I think I get your point and that's quite logical. And it also partially answers the second question which I wanted to discuss was regarding the AI model building lifecycle. So what kind of models are you building here? And can you share a bit more detail on the architecture? And basically how you go about updating the models at the edge as you are designing this to be AI at edge. Yeah. So while we're building the models, we basically, you know, get sources from all different places and then deploy on the edge is kind of because this is currently being deployed through our app. So it is fairly easy for us to go through with it because every time we update an app, we can simply update our model and it gives the leverage on, you know, AI on the edge. And is that what you mean? Yeah. So, and are you also training the model like locally on the user's mobile device? Or? No, no, no. We are training model on the server. It's basically, you know, training on the server and then deploying on the edge. I wrote down the basics of how we actually did the first iteration to how we did it on the Hackster. There's an entire article on how we actually did that. You know, there part of that you can just get it on your own. And then part of the data you can go on Kaggle. And then this is, you know, this is more than enough to get started on training poses. I mean, there's some challenges that we went into is that certain poses are more accurate than the other. 
So you have to write custom because there is only a certain amount of poses, right? You can basically go, you know, you can just go dig in a little more deep on how to, you know, manipulate them individually. Understood. And what kind of models are these currently which are deployed? The current model is just for poses. Current deployment is really purely for poses. So I mean the machine learning model type. So are these deep learning based or some... A convolution on your network. Okay. Okay. And uh, good. So next is how did we go about evaluating this model effectiveness or do we do this regularly as and when we get feedback from real app usage? Or is it like just an offline process which we do on a more of a periodic basis? It's an offline process because the stuff is actually doing it on the edge. So <laughs> we basically push back. We only thing we're sending back from the user is like what posts are doing currently in, in okay. a text stream. So that's why we kind of know the two things, right? So the teacher know what they're doing. A second is that the user kind of know what they're doing themselves. Like the teacher can kind of see statistic on what everybody's doing. Okay, got it. So. Scalability is a very important part of your app, right? So how have we accounted for that in our architecture? But it's because it's running on the edge. We don't really mind about scalability. Hmm. That's where it's very easy for us to scale because the server, we're not running this thing on the server at all. So it's just letting the edge do its job, leveraging, you know, what's the newest technology on the, on the edge. Got it. It takes off the load from us, right? That's kind of the whole point. Because we're doing just convolution on your network, we don't really need to do much, you know, on the server itself. The server's job is to train. In fact, I run the server in my own house. I'm using the server to talk to you right now. Okay. We, NVIDIA give us, NVIDIA basically, you know, sponsored us the, uh, we won the the challenge, which they give us the RTX, Titan RTX to use for training. That's really great. I'm sure you had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I mean, that's, it. the training process is fun. The just deploying process was not. Right. <laughs> Understood. So what were some of the interesting insights that you got from this entire implementation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, overall, it's a fun experience. <laughs> okay. Anything particular that stood out, like any pose, which I think you really got hard, or uh, like anything user behavior that stood out? The user, actually, because, okay, so currently the class size is still between 10 to 20. So the user, I mean, they're just generally pretty impressed with it. But it, to be very honest, to, from user perspective, it just really looks like gimmicky. As much as is it needed or not, for them to see, oh, you know, they see it's pretty cool. But the reality is that, you know, if the data helps teacher more than the users. But as a from user perspective, we're basically trying to make it a little more fun, right? Like that's when the next stage is we're kind of see whether we can add any like augmented reality on top just to make it a little look a little more fun in a way. Got it. Maybe some gamification and such. Yeah, but because there's no like for users, it's really just a cool thing to see. So it looks very gimmicky, but it's uh, overall data analysis in real time. That's what makes it interesting for teachers, <laughs> at least from our perspective. Sounds good. And so what are the main challenges that you encountered while, you know, implementing this solution? In terms of AI, I mean, there's not much challenges. Just really deploy it. And the memory issue, there's some challenges on memory issue itself, I guess, because we are running like live streaming. We are running a WebRTC and then we're running AI at the same time, right? So that caused a lot of memory issue on the edge device. But how we did it is, you know, we put a threshold. If you don't have this much memory, we don't run AI at all. So that's kind of how we solved the round. Otherwise, you just see in use, we keep crashing. And that's not a good experience. And these days, people are pretty unforgiving in terms of overall UX experience. Yeah, other challenges is basically the live streaming itself, you know, because that's an entire different topic. 
which gets into like, you know, if to, to run a high quality stream, you kind of have to train teachers what to do. And that's not very fun. And user acquisition is always the hardest part, as well as converting user into paid users. I mean, that's key to any startup, right? Otherwise, you don't really have a startup. Yes. Startups like to look at other startups and see what to do. For the reality, you know, nobody have product market fit. There's no point of like, even you look at yourself as you understand it's like, there's nobody really figure out how to market the things correctly. Right. There's people who figure it out. And then you got to really, those are, until you get your product market fit, you're not like, you don't really have a, like, I can't tell you what works, what doesn't, because it's nothing. Because usually it takes about at least whatever you implement takes about two to three weeks to find, figure out, oh, did it work? Did it change anything? Did it not? You know, things like that. I understand you and I hear you completely on that. So product market fit is the most important aspect and make or break for a startup. Yeah, I mean, I'm a co-founder as well. I mean, they, they, they like, they like to, oh, this is what the other competitors are doing. I'm like, dude, competitors never kill a startup. You know, not finding product market fit will kill you. And also kills all the competitors because if you're not killing your competitor, you're not even competing for the same market. I mean, like you're, you barely have like, we barely have, you know, you barely get your thing started. When you see your 10x growth on a weekly basis, this is when you find product market fit. And like before real competition, right? We're talking about people that's like big companies, like before they realize that you already too big to, like you already become too big to fail because you have a loyal customer base. And before that, this is your goal is how do you build a product that's actually like, how do you build a product that actually really fits into what people need? Right. So on that note, so what's our current traction like and where are we in the current phase of the startup development? We have about 3,000 signups and these are all organic signups, mm-hmm. which is kind of nice. Great. We have not spent any, and you know, the, we have not spent much like dollars on the user acquisition at all because you know that we trying to get the retention rate up before we do that. And how do you, and the, and the overall trajectory, like, because the thing is how much people you draw, like how much people you can keep, like you got to close out the bleed before you actually do it. Right, right. So what has been the biggest benefit of using AI or ML of solving this uh, problem? So with AI and ML, the biggest thing with AI and ML right now is really just solving the engagement problem. So the teachers at least can see that, you know, they at least see the students and how they interact. Because before, that's sort of, I think it's not, you can't see the immediate benefit until, I would say, until a little later, if you know what I mean. Got it. And okay, so finally, like changing some track a bit. So how has been the journey of developing Mixpo? So what do you find most fulfilling? Oh, uh, we've been now, I mean, we've technically been out since like maybe June to now, like half a year. It's, we started the company in June. Because we got, all got serious around maybe around like April or May or like, okay, like, because people keep asking like, hey, <laughs> right. I mean, it's COVID. So people are like, hey, it's COVID now. We need to do something about this. So we're like, okay, let's just do something about this then. And June, we started a company and then we have a soft launch in end of June, just minimum viable product, which the streaming was crashing left and right. Right. And in September, we finally stabilize a stream so we can start charging people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Getting that those things in place would have been a lot of an effort. Yeah. So that's sort of the, the way we sort of ran startup. And then, then, you know, and now, you know, because now we're like, OK, we're finally getting like consistent customer base. We're like, how do we? And then now you have other problems with conversion. Because the thing is, you know, some people are willing to pay and some are not. So you're like, OK, how do we get people to pay and stuff like that? Getting uh, pockets out of people's money is no big uh... <laughs> <laughs> It's not an easy challenge, right? It's not. Yeah, it's not. So, so we basically have to figure out what's the correct way to, you know, 
that's a completely different type of like, so it's like, again, the product market fit means people are paying for your product. Right. Okay. And so what other problem interests you apart from Mixpose right now? So what other activities or problems do you look into? Another problem we were looking into like an AI game specifically, like, you know, that's sort of the things that we just generally interest me. And I try to create like, you know, because deep fake, that's just a very interesting thing to mess around with. Okay. So who have you faked till now? <laughs> I mean, just using the normal software on how to get this around. Okay. Like, like, how do you put your face instead of Robert Downey Jr. So you can become Iron Man. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's also general interesting tools to mess around yeah. with. But also to create. But the, from there, you can kind of create a lot of interesting things. But the problem with that is, is often a very fun toy. But to make money off that is even more difficult. Because you're like, say, I mean, the thing is, it's anything gimmicky the problem is the one you do with startup because you, uh, doing a hackathon i mean like, i don't mind just like building a hat like you know over 40 hours and have some fun but when you're doing a startup you have to think because like okay who's going to pay for this stuff like deep fake right making yourself down robert downey jr as cool as a sound or are you willing to pay for it right as free i would totally mess around with it got it yeah sounds pretty much logical and finally, so what advice would you give to your younger self, if any? I don't think I would give any. Like, I lived a pretty good life. So if I were to give my younger self a advice, I guess would be doing more. Like I should do done more yoga. Like when I was, you know, I should have started yoga earlier. <laughs> so, so I would not be as stiff as I am right now. Because engineering job like in terms of ambition and stuff like that i think i'm very happy with where i am and in terms of like there's stuff that you mistake you make right and but then again those are kind of learning curves but there are also things like you know you're like not very happy about what you did but then again you're like you're thinking long term i don't think those i mean like if you're happy with all your decisions then you would that's not human being but the one big thing is like as an engineer we generally sit on our computers for a very long time that's really bad for health and if i were to start yoga earlier i think i'll have much better postures as well as much better health yeah i shared the same view with you and i hear you completely on that i think that's the issue as you rightly pointed out with all engineers or techies uh, mostly and we are not taking much heed of it sooner than later yeah i mean that's that's what i would give my younger self is like hey exercise and and, and strength endurance flexibility you gotta i really would have focused on all of them if i were like you know at least this was because you know because at this age it was i start finding because when i do startup before i'm like it's like you can see the age differences like oh you know when you get older, your health is everything. If you don't, if you don't have a good health, there's no way you're going to continue. It's just the health will just draw you back. But if you have strength, endurance, and flexibility, your physical age is much younger. So you still can burn right. your physical, you know, the, the vitality of your health. Because startup is really draining life. I mean, in reality, yeah. with no promise of success, and you basically have to enjoy this type of work before you like. That's what the people want to. People are like, oh my God, you know, it's like, dude, it's like you, you have to have some deeper conviction. Whatever it is, it's, you know, but then again, if you don't have health as a basic, then you just, it's, you know, your game over very, like very quick. Within two, three months, you're done. Yes. So you hear all the glitz about it, but uh, when it comes to actually doing it, you should do the hard work. And hard work actually does not only start with the tech part, it only starts with your physical fitness as well. Right. Yeah, I mean, so I think, if you think conviction for your employer is hard, I was like, okay, this is like, because there's no stop in this thing. 
it's not like, oh, you know, tomorrow you go to work when stuff goes wrong. It's like, you got to stay late. This is nothing like that. This is like completely something else. This is like, okay, customer doesn't like your product. Now what do you do? It's like you have to like go back and brainstorm. You know, it's just like, it's not, you know, to figure something out. Because it's your company. I mean, like if you don't want to work on your own company, who wants to work on your company? Right. Uh, that's sort of the thing. Got it. So, Peter, it's been great talking to you. I know you have a very hectic schedule with a lot of things and activities coming up at Mixpose. I really appreciate you taking out time today talking to us and I wish great success to your entire team. Thank you. And also Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in advance to you, your Nathan <laughs> team and all the audience listening in to this episode. All right. Thank you. Happy holidays in uh, India too. Thank <laughs> you.